Okay, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Am I recording? I forgot to check. Yes, I am. Um, this is episode 139 of Dude and a Monkey. Um, I am um, piloting the Red One X-Wing this week, um, and my name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Matt Foster, hello everybody. And uh, we are also delighted to be joined by um, the man who we've been re- referring all our Star Wars queries to for the last month and a half... Um, Mr. Steve Nixon. Hello there, sir. Greetings. This is, is indeed Steve, sometimes known as the Ginger Prince. Indeed, yes. And um, Steve is on as he is the Star Wars man and um, very keen to get into this discussion of Episode 7, considering the slating that Mark has been giving the Star Wars saga. Um so it's, I don't know, I've, I'm kind of tempted just to back off, like, light the fuse and just watch the fireworks, frankly. But um, you never know, Mark might have liked it. Mark did like Jedi. I did like Jedi, yes. I have had me head in my hands the last couple of weeks listening <laughs> to you guys. Um, I've loved the, the, the sort of sheer bemusement of Ian as Mark lays into perhaps the greatest film ever made, The Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah. I'm expecting an entertaining evening. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, Steve is uh, actually going to join us for the whole thing as well, which will be great. So um, before we get on, Steve, do you have anything to promote or plug? I saw that you were you were donning a mic um, for something the other day as well. Yeah, I am. I'm the UK reporter for the Star Wars Action News podcast. I've been since 2007. So um, it's quite a long relationship. And yesterday we were recording our uh, year year review shows, our two end of year review shows and of course there's a big section there where we're talking about the force awakens uh, but we also focus mostly on uh, the collecting aspects of star wars so there'll be a second show um, that focuses more on that um, so i think we recorded about five or six hours worth of content yesterday and i think the first episode of that will be out um next week probably around tuesday time and I mean, especially with like it coming up to Christmas and New Year, so there's a lot of like, a, a lot of kind of podcasts taking time off as well. It's good to have podcasts that are still rolling and rolling with long content like that as well. I mean, I know I appre- appreciate that kind of thing as well. That's fantastic, though. Fucking six hours of content, Jesus, that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, the guys at Star Wars Action News have been going 10 years now. Um, they had their 10-year anniversary in July of this year. And like I say, I've been with them for eight of those years. And they are the hardest working team of podcasters. It's a team of up to about 15 people who all work together to put the content out there. And it's always a good listen. And you don't really have to be a Star Wars collector. I think sometimes it helps to be a Star Wars fan. But if you have a slight interest in the saga, then for me, it's a good download. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, if you want to go out and uh, download that, the website's www.swactionnews.com. Um, always a good listen. Fantastic. Great stuff. Mark, anything from, from you this week? No, I've, I've, I've literally just been decorating my house. That's all. So. <laughs> yeah, but at least you're in, though. At least you're in. Yes. Um, yeah, it was... We got to the point of where we were too much in between both houses to um, to not kind of move into this one. But I have two vegetable racks to put up, three, three vegetable racks to put up tomorrow, and then I'm done from there. Vegetable racks? Yeah, vegetable racks. Racks to put my vegetables in. Is uh, that a normal I mean, actual? Thing? I mean, actual vegetable racks, not my, not, that's not a euphemism. It's not something to put my junk in. No. Um, nice. Do you, do you refer to your junk as vegetables? Uh, not not usually, no. Just that, that, that one time and possibly That's, another time. 
Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, I've just been recovering from the shits, yeah, so um, no, I, I, I haven't <laughs> had much going on either, to be fair. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's move swiftly on. So we're going to talk about some trailers. Um, obviously, with Star Wars out, shitloads of trailers wanting to get played uh, before Star Wars. And um, yeah, fuck. Who wants to start us off? Uh, Steve, how, how about you, man? Have you actually managed to see any of these or are you a trailers man? Oh, I love a good trailer. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I saw a couple. I'll talk about a few that came before The Force Awakens, if I may. Yeah, do um, One which I was, I, I've seen twice because, of course, I've seen uh, The Force Awakens twice. And it was only during a conversation this afternoon with, with my good lady wife, Suzanne, um, that she told me that I had the wrong name of the film. So that's how effective this trailer was. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely thought the film was called Moby Dick, but apparently it's called something else. Oh, it? in the heart of the sea. Heart of the sea. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah I've, okay. I've sat there and I've watched the trailer twice, and yet I, st- I had no idea that I genuinely thought it was called Moby Dick. Um, so I presume it's a rather accurate retelling of the book. Not that I've read the book, but um, I, presu- I presume it goes there. Um, and and for me, it looked like a you know a fairly interesting action, or it's one that I'll wait to see. Um, on Netflix or Amazon Prime, it's not something I'll go to the cinema uh, to watch. But um, there were, you know, there were a few interesting um, ideas there. It, I don't know. It, whenever I see this sort of at sea, I, I remember Life of Pi and how much I dislike that. So, you know, I don't know whether, like I say, I think it's going to be a Netflix watch rather than a go to the cinema. No, yeah, we're, we're actually reviewing it next week. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tell you whether it's worth actually checking out. I believe it's, the thing is, the trailer does say, like, the, the, the true story behind the legend. And then there's just like a, a card that says Moby Dick. Yeah. So I could see how that trailer would make you think it was Moby Dick. That's the bit. I mean, apparently it's the true life story that inspired the story Moby Dick, but it kind of basically kind of is Moby Dick, is it? I and it, it, it seems to be. I don't know whether it's either sitting itself between two stools or they've just um, whether they've just kind of gone right. We wanted to make like the story behind Moby Dick, the story that inspired Moby Dick, and then the marketing people have gone. Could we just call it fucking Moby Dick? And they've kind of Ron Howard's kind of gone. No, but we can put Moby Dick in a title card. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I could see that. I, I don't, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll give Ron Howard a fair shake, and it looks like something that might be worth seeing on a cinema screen. And um, I, I've got permission to go and see it Boxing Day morning, and I think it's going to be with Christmas and then Lottie's birthday on the 28th. I think I'm going to need just a few hours. <laughs> yeah. Like just in the cinema, you know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it more for that than anything else. And if it's a good film, it's a bonus. <laughs> It, it appeared that Brendan Gleeson might be playing sort of a, a narrator character, um, which is w- w- what made me think perhaps it is more directly attached to the book, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, you say there was a couple of things. What, what else have you um, seen there? Um, the other trailer that I remember seeing, uh, well, actually, there, there are two more that I remember seeing. Both, uh, both were quite... Um, you know, child orientated. Um, one was the goosebumps. Have, have either of you seen that one? Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it looks it looks fun, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I've always been partial to a bit of Jack Black. 
Um, and, you know, I think there seem to be some quite fun um, monsters being released from those books. Again, I've never read the Goosebumps books, so I have no idea um, what they're like. But, you know, there seem to be quite a few nice action set pieces, a, a, a large Ferris wheel tearing away through a forest. Um, so, again, it's something that, that I'd consider checking out. Yeah, it's a good idea doing the way they've done the Goosebumps movie. Rather than going, because they've wanted to do one for years, but rather than going, right, let's pick a Goosebumps book and make a movie of that, they're too short to do that with. Um, so there was talk of trying to do an anthology before with having um, it, it just be somebody reading them. Um, and then, you know, that they'd be reading the kids and then they'd be enacted out as like an anthology. And then the idea came, well, why don't we... Why don't we Instead of focusing on a book, why don't we take some of the characters that he's worked, that he's done, that he's written, and and do a like a fucking Jumanji style kind of thing, and and that's where that was going to born out of. So, I mean, his books are, in, are incredibly successful. I mean, he is actually Harold Steins. It's ridiculous. He's one like the the biggest selling authors of all time. It's you know, it's a good way to kind of introduce kids again to that kind of world. I know Isabel loved the Goosebumps books when she was a little bit younger. She did. I fucking loved them when I was younger. I, I read them. I, I had a few when I was a kid. Yeah. Mm. You see, I've never read them, but I absolutely love Jumanji. It's it's one of my favourite sort of you know family films. Um, absolutely great energy to that film, and I I, I got the feeling that this is going to you know be something similar, be in that same vein. Yeah, I mean, it got it it, it, it did quite well in the states. I know it got uh, it got really good sort of sort of press actually. A little bit, a few people were quite kind of shocked about. Well, oh okay, that was that kind of came out of nowhere and was quite good. Yeah, looking forward to that. Hmm. So the other one that I saw that was probably in this, the same vein then was the trailer for the, the BFG. Um, and, and that seemed to be quite hyping up front the relationship that, that they've had with Spielberg. I don't know exactly what role he played in there, but I definitely saw his name as, as part of the trailer. He's directing it. He's directing it, is he? Yeah, wow, yeah. wow. Um, I, I gotta be honest, I wasn't particularly taken, uh, with, with that trailer. Uh, I don't, I don't quite know what it was um it, it just seemed a bit obvious the minute it came on screen I, I knew what it was i knew it was the bfg um but i don't think that's that's something that i would consider i'd definitely be choosing goosebumps over that from having seen both trailers it's yeah i mean it's 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 kind of interesting from a kind of an inside baseball point of view with this that it's the first time that spielberg's actually done a film that's got the disney label on it and it's also the last film that um DreamWorks has got like this uh, distribution deal with Disney for um, he's he's basically going back to Universal that, you know, obviously he was kind of associated with in the 80s and the 90s. And this is his big last hurrah with them. And the the, the kind of the Disney taking ownership of the BFG feels weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it never really did with like That's Alice crazy. in Wonderland, but. It's something as kind of idiosyncratic as that having the di- like specifically Disney label on it. Fe- it just feels really jarring. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in seeing Mark Rylance as as the BFG. Um, but yeah, the trailer there's, there is fuck all to it. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I've I watched it last week and I've already I've kind of already forgotten. Uh, pretty much everything that happened in it, cause it just it it just kind of went straight over me. To be honest, it was a little bit like I don't I I I really I could never stand the um, the uh, was it the BBC did the cartoon for it? Um, I could never stand that, and I wasn't a massive fan of the the story it, it itself. To be honest, so 
it did kind of just kind of drift by me. Uh, fair play, fair play. And anything else, Leslie? No, I think they're the three that I could recall. Okay, so um, big ones this week then, I suppose. Um, the already Simon Pegg bashing Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> um, that's fucking fascinating, that is. I am convinced, I am convinced if the reaction for that trailer was positive, Peg would not have come out and said, oh, well, you know, it's it's not the film. It's not the film. Yeah. It, it, it like it, it, it was it was very it was very reactionary, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I thought the trailer looked all right. Um, I mean, yeah, they're actioning it up, but they do have to get bums on seats and they didn't get enough bums on seats with Star Trek Into Darkness by it being played as fucking miserable as shit in the trailers. So here, you've got it bright, you've got it colourful, you've got lots of weird landscapes, and you've got Kirk on a motorbike. I'm fine with that. They, they do appear to have kind of gone, right, we've, we've moved on from the Inner Darkness now, and we're going we're gonna to add a little bit more of the levity from the series. Which I, I don't know if that exists in the series, so I'm not a fan of them, but I've always thought that, that it was. I think a lot of people did complain that they're... That, that in the darkness was a little bit too darkness. Um, yeah, I mean, Ju- Justin Lin was actually quoted in an interview last week saying that he's politely ignoring Star Trek Into Darkness, his words. And uh, I love that because I, I like uh, we were around the in-laws last night and Star Trek was on Channel 4 and like I, I just ended up watching about 40 or so minutes of it. And that film is sparky and bubbly and it is fu- it, it is kind of fun. Into Darkness isn't fun. Star Trek Beyond looks like it could be fun. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm down for that. I think this is going to be like the, the, the kill or cure for Star Trek on the big screen for the time being. I, if this one doesn't do well, I think they're done um, with this cast. Um, but if this one does do well, then it's going to rejuvenate it. And uh, Isn't this Pine and Quinter's... Um, last one they're signed up for. I wouldn't be surprised. Pre-picture deal sounds probably about right. Um, surprised if, if, if let's say they wanted to continue it, Quinto was on board would continue it because he's, you know, fuck the guy played a villain in Agent Four in Hitman Agent Forty Seven. Uh, whereas Pine does seem a little bit like he, he'd at the minute that contract's fucking over, he will go out and celebrate. Yeah, I, I yeah. He's a curious character, I think, Chris Pine. I think he's one of those that had no had no ambition to ever be a movie star, then kind of was on the cusp of becoming one, and went, yeah, I don't like this. I don't like this really that much. It's and, like the, the Chris Evans school. A little bit, and kind of backed off from it a, a little bit, and he, he wanted to, you know, go back and just sort of be a little bit more of a character actor. Um, he, he's that kind of thing. He, he, he happens to be. Ambitious to be a character actor, but, you know, it's similar, we've said something about Tom Hardy, but, you know, has the looks of a leading man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, it, yeah, I don't know. It's the, like... best, the best thing I've seen him in was Unstoppable. Um, but yeah. even then, I, even then I felt Denzel carried him, um, was, for quite a bit of the film. He's good in stretch, mind. He's good in stretch, and I thought he was very good in, uh, Smoking Aces, but then again, I think, Okay, so I, I will defend that fucking film to the hilt. Yeah. So, am I to understand that Peg's written this? Yes. He's yeah. co-written it. Yeah. And has he has he written himself a nice big part in it? 
He's in the trailer a lot. Well, well, um, that's where I'd, I've not seen the trailer, but that's where I'd be very apprehensive if I was a fan. Of course, it's the wrong franchise for me, so, uh, I'm, I'm not that arsed about it, but, um, for, for me, Peg is someone who's made some very erratic film choices of late, um, and he, he needs something good to, to, to bring him back, and I'm not sure this is going to be it. The thing, the, the thing I, I mean, I, I kind of peg bash quite a lot, but, his writing is not something he's particularly famed for. I mean, yes, he co-wrote the Cornetto trilogy, but I, I still contend, given the evidence of Paul, I contend that Edgar Wright was the dr- fucking driving force behind that. And, um, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not Peg's franchise either. You know, Trek is not something that, he seems to have particularly grown up with. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it, it, he is in the trailer a lot. But the thing is, in his defense, it might be because Scotty is a bit of a comic relief character in this franchise. And this one does look like it's going to be lighter. So instead of focusing on the Kirk Spock thing quite so heavily, maybe they are bringing the others in. I mean, I'd like to see Anton Yelchin get more to do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, no, totally, totally, yeah. You know. <laughs> no, abs- absolutely, no. I mean, seriously, though, yeah, absolutely. It's, I don't know. This is a fascinating one, but it's Justin Lin. You know, he's gone from the fast films to Star Trek, which is a very interesting uh, jump. Um, we'll see. But then again, John M. Chu went from GI Joe two to Gem and the Holograms. Yeah. So you know. Uh, there you go. I, it's I, Star Trek Beyond. It's going to be an interesting one. It just it it feels like a film that is just coming out through obligation more than anything else. I completely. I, I didn't even realize they were doing. I just thought Star Trek was something that, that, that they weren't doing another one of, and then all of a sudden people are going, "That Star Trek trailer is a bit shit." And they're going, what? But they're doing another fucking film. I don't know. I, like I say, I thought the trailer was all right. It just it looks like it could be fun. But it does also look like it's going to be entirely inessential. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, the thing is, the thing about next summer, you've got Civil War and Batman versus Superman hitting pretty fucking early. And after that, I don't really know what the big hitters are. It, it, it's after the how big a year this has been. Uh, it is a quieter year next year in terms of there's there's still stuff out there but there's not there's not kind of as many it's not a right once every two weeks for the next four months there's going to be big movies Mm. to go back to go back to the unstoppable um film i I think after the force awakens this week i think that's the unstoppable train i think star uh, star trek is very much uh running out of track yeah yeah i mean on the bit on the big screen for sure you know it just it can't really it can't really hold a candle now, in fairness, um, and it's it kind of is up to every for everybody else to catch up, really now, isn't it? After the fucking few days that Star Wars has just had, I mean, it's amazing. But um, but yeah, Star Trek Beyond, uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Not watched it. Didn't I despised Independence Day? You're an idiot. Um, Independence Day, Independence Day Resurgence. I think it looks fun. Goldblum's back, baby. That, like, that's all I need. Um, and, you know, Micah Monroe's in it. Um, I'll, I'll watch her. Um, 
it do pretty much anything, um, except for it follows again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really give you too much of an idea. In this one, it's got an alien ship that looks to be bigger than the Earth. So yeah, there you go. I don't really have much more to say on that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've not seen the trailer. Does it have anything like the, the White House being blown up? Is it? No. It's, Nothing like that, no. Not really. <laughs> Should have started with the with, with them going. Well, we finally finished rebuilding the White House, and some fucking thing blows it up again, and a man throwing his hat down, going, "Damn it!" Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it it kind of looks interesting because they're saying that they've basically taken the downed alien tech and have kind of used it to improve Earth's defenses. So it looks like Earth's weapons are going to be a lot more sci-fi, um, but then the aliens are going to come back and they're going to be a bigger threat. Um, I, which I, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting idea. Um, it's going to be fun to see whether there's anything as kind of anachronistic as a bloody computer virus killing them this time. I'm sure it won't because they'll need more action. But it's got not Chris Chris Hemsworth in it, hasn't it? Yeah, Liam. Is Liam in it? I think he might be. Yeah. The lesser Hemsworth. Yeah, the, the, the Hemsworth that, that really nobody cares about, do they? Let's be honest. Mm. What, what's its release date? Is it is it coming out on uh, July the 4th? No, it's not. It's June the 24th. Ah, you see, they've missed the trick there. Had it come out on July the 4th in the States, then I could see it just making money because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it will do all right. I, I, you know, I think there's going to be nostalgia for Independence Day. Um, I, I, Independence Day might genuinely be one of my most watched films of all time. And I, I like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's a five out of five masterpiece or anything, but I find that film really fucking watchable. I'm and rewatch just to see if it, I watched it in a bad mood then. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're a mingy bastard I'm anyway. Mingy so. bastard. <laughs> um, it's it's a well loved film. I mean, my missus really really loves it. And there's you know there's some punch punch the air moments in there. There's Will Smith uh, laying that alien out. There's um, yeah. There's Randy Quaid, mad bastard with his um you know with his plane flying over uh, you know becoming the fighter pilot to save the day. Um, there's some there's some really punch the air moments. So yeah, I think it's well loved enough to drum up uh you know a, a decent audience. Because Will Smith's not not returning in this, is he? But he's in he, 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 some ridiculous thing of where they essentially is not returning for it because he couldn't he couldn't agree something with the producers, but he's still probably he's a producer yeah. and he's getting points off it or something. I read. Really? Yeah. What couldn't he agree apart for his retard son? Probably. Do you know what? It probably wouldn't surprise me is if, is if he, he did say that and they went. Do you know what? No, he went. Well, if you if you don't take my son, you don't get Will. And they went. That's brilliant. We'll, we'll take that. Yeah, brilliant. All right, fantastic. Because let's be honest, Will, you can't fucking sell a movie anymore. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It, it's almost to the. It's almost to the point where he needs Independence Day two more than it needs him. You know, and I mean, what's he doing instead? Suicide Squad, which is a massive fucking risk. Well, it is, especially since essentially he's he's doing that where it, you know he's been apparently told. You're a supporting cast member. You fucking begged to be part of this universe. You're a supporting cast member. We don't want you to think that you're the fucking star of the show. Um, but yeah, he's, he's credited as a producer on Independence Day 2. Fucking hell. You just checked that, did you? Yeah. Oh, fair dues. All right. That's weird that he's not in it then, but, 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's fucking get on because uh, we need to talk Star Trek. Um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them teaser trailer. It's basically saying, "Oi, you look ha- like Harry Potter, don't you? Mm. Don't you? Yeah. This is this is kind of connected. Oh, we're set in the same universe. There's not going to be Harry Potter in it, yeah. but you know, Eddie Redmayne's in it. Uh, so, yay. There you go. That's that. Yeah. Um, Eddie the Eagle, um, directed by my man Dexter Fletcher." Um, I've liked, I've liked, I, I've liked both of his films he's directed so far, man. Wild Bill is awesome. Sunshine on Leaf was fun. Eddie the Eagle, why the fuck not? Yep. Please tell, please tell me this is about actual Eddie the Eagle. Yep. Ski, ski jumper Eddie the Eagle. Yep. Awesome. I'm in. I, I'm in for that one because I, I, I think it, it looks like it could be like us. Yep. It's, it's um the guy the the, the kid from Kingsman um as. Um, Eddie the Eagle, it looks like he's put on some weight and, oh mate, there's some like prosthetics going on and stuff. Like, it looks like he's chucked himself into it and Hugh Jackman plays his trainer. So, uh, why not? Uh, the, I mean, the trailer's good. Um, it looks like there's some money behind it as well. I'm, I'm really, really pulling for that one, I must say. Mm. Editor's note, we then had some technical trouble, which involved a lot of faffing about, none of which you're going to hear, and there's going to be a smooth, buttery transition into the next bit. Star Wars. Let's just talk about Star Wars. Woo! Right. Uh, episode 7, The Force Awakens, directed by J.J. Abrams. Stars Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, uh, Oscar Isaac, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, uh, Donald Gleason, Gwendolyn Christie, kind of, um, Adam Driver, others. It's You've all bloody seen it. Um, Steve. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, Steve, tell me how much you loved it. Go on. Um, I, I'm giving it uh, an eight and a half out of ten. Um, it's better than all of the prequels by a long way, and it's not as good as any of the original trilogy for me. Um, I thought it would come down to eight out of ten on a second watch, but I'm happy to report it stayed exactly where it was. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to go higher than eight and a half. I don't think it beats Return of the Jedi, which is in sort of third place in in my ranking. Um, but I'm I'm happy that the niggles didn't affect me as much as I thought they were going to do the second viewing. So yeah, I'm 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 very happy. I'm happy I didn't have too high an expectation, and I'm I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah, I think eight and nine are set up well. Um, I think the, um, the, you know, the, the single films, the anthology films that are going to co- come in between, um, are, are, are going to be nice in, in between parts to, to the, the main saga going forward. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a lot and I'm, I'm really happy with it. You two guys? Aces, Mark, hit me. Um, it's what you'd expect from a J.J. Abrams film, uh, Star Wars film. It's, it's perfectly solid. It's, it's a, it's a good film. Um, it's got its problems, but overall, it is taken over by the fact that yeah, you, you've got you've got a solid film there. It's it's well written. It's um, it looks nice. The story flows well. Uh, it still suffers that problem that basically every modern blockbuster suffers, where it's twenty minutes too long. Um, I think you'd be very hard. You'd have to be a seriously mingy bastard, and I am a mingy bastard, but I don't think I'm quite a seriously mingy bastard yet. Or you'd have to be somebody who is intentionally trying to dislike it to come out and say that you didn't kind of enjoy it, and there weren't bits where you went, where you were caught up, up 
it, even the most ardent anti-Star Wars people, which I'm certainly uh, am not, wouldn't be able would wouldn't be able to say, yeah, it didn't get me at all because it, it, it is it's it, it, it's fun at points and it's it's got action at points and it's got comedy at points. It, it's a very good family movie. It's perfect for this this time of year. Mark, can, sorry, can I just check? Are you recording this? Because Okay, the last few minutes haven't recorded, so uh, they are now, so thank you. Um, well, g- good man. Okay, that sounds like you, you were all right with it, so that's something. We're not going to come to blows. Um, you got no problem. <laughs> okay, no, fair enough. I um, So I, I came out of it thinking, I for me, it was better than episode four, but... Wow. After, after kind of reading reviews and thinking on it and whatnot, I think there are enough pro- problems where, kind of more slight niggles where it doesn't quite go original trilogy. I'm pretty much where Steve is with it. Um, I think it does a great job of being both fans of service, but also kind of opening up avenues for a new generation of fans to get in on. Um, I mean, certainly there are more characters you can get behind in this one film than there were in the three, in, in the three prequels put together. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, it's amazing how star Wars manages to make people seem instantly iconic, but like Daisy Ridley is instantly iconic. Um, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, instantly iconic. If there were more of Poe Damron, he would be instant. He would be iconic. Um, there's not enough of Poe Damron. I need me some more Poe Damron. It sounds. Um, it sounds like you've developed the same man crush I have. I fucking. I fucking love Oscar Isaac. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, just just the fact that his character in this is just a no nonsense good guy. He's just totally, yep. He's a bit ace rimmer. Don't mean as a, as a negative, by the way. Yeah, but, like, he's not Chris Barry, he's Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. It's, so he's got that going for him. I'm saying this, is, it works in the fact that he is, literally, he is just a nice, he's just a nice guy. There's, there's there'd be a few lot of people. You have to be a serious Arnold Rimmer to not like him. You see, I, I don't think he is necessarily the the true blue hero the the, the nice guy that you're saying uh, uh, when we first meet him um he's, he's had a bit of a chat with max von Sydow, and then ren comes off his command shuttle and comes down and talks to him and then immediately we get that that harrison ford-esque humor where he's like do i talk first do you talk first um and and, and you know that that's a bit of piss taking there that um i don't think the nice you know true blue hero would have done i get the feeling there is a bit of an edge to him and um i presume we're all spoilers all the time i, yeah, I think i think i think he's going to be the replacement harrison ford i think they're relying on him to bring that acerbic wit that ford brought to the original trilogy absolutely yeah absolutely that that's what they're looking for from from him um in terms of Sort of instead of directly going, well, he's going to be the new Han. Here he goes off with Chewie. Uh, that'd be too much on the nose. It is very much. Look, this is like you say, bringing that that kind of wit and that that kind of character to it. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, they've shuffled the pack definitely. The same archetypes are there. 
Um, but they've sort of transferred them from the person you might have expected them to be to, you know, another cast member. But I, I think they've got all the same archety- archetypes that were there in the original trilogy already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, but when I say he's a straight up good guy, he is a straight up good guy. There doesn't, I don't think there's going to be any hint of dark side, dark side to him. Yeah, it's but, just but but I think he is going to have the acerbicness, as you put it. Yeah, and, and I think he'd shoot first. You know what I mean? I think he's yeah, like, and he, he would shoot first. So, and, you know, so there's that element of a bit of a bad boy about him as well as being a good boy, you know? But I mean, like, episode eight, I'm already looking forward to the further adventures of Poe and Finn. Like, I, 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 I am very much, I really, really hope those two team up in episode eight because their interactions, there's not a lot of it, but what there is, is gold. Like, them in the fucking, them in the bloody um, the ta- the, the in the tie fighter, in the tie fighter. It's, it's fantastic. It was awesome. It, like, I, I think uh, the film the film really missed interaction between Han and Luke. I was really looking forward to some interaction between Han and Luke. I, I didn't think they'd get rid of either one of them um, until we saw the two interacting again. And and I I think that might be coming, you know, because Harrison Ford is is listed as being in Episode Eight. Um, so I think there are going to be flashbacks there and we might we might see the two interact again. But I think the film really lacked that. But I think Finn and Poe's interaction made up for that. Like you're saying, that stuff in the TIE Fighter um, and also Finn on the ground when they were in, in the battle later on and he was looking up at the sky, seeing what Poe was doing and he was getting so excited about how good he was. Um, th- that sort of stuff was gold. Oh, when he's like, he's looking up and he's like, he's a great pilot or whatever it is he says. Yeah, it's... Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, so there, there's the Oscar Isaac bit covered. Um, now, I mean, Daisy Ridley, holy shit. Like, that is some crazy good casting. I mean, good on, good on JJ Abrams, but I mean, good on the casting people as well. Nina Gold, that's the, that's the woman yeah. who's responsible, Nina Gold, and, um, she's done virtually nothing. I think she did a bit of casualty. Um, a, a claim to, a claim to fame that a great uncle is, um, do you know, uh, Godfrey in Dad's Army? Yeah. Oh, you, you know, the old fellow who, who always looked near to death. That, that's a great uncle. And, and I think that's the only sort of, you know, credible acting link that she's got. Uh, she was she uh, she was in in between us two, but scenes were cut. I was cut out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she she wasn't good enough for in between us two, but she's um, heading up quite quite well uh, the the Star Wars uh, Force Awakens. Um, so yeah, I, I, she's she's very good in it. Um, she she runs an awful lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she's not. But the good thing is, she's as much running towards things as she is away. She's she's a she's a she's a very pleasant character to spend time time with. Um, she's got no no kind of sort of weird um, affections where you look at her going that's annoying. There's there's none of that. Every so often she does sound a little bit like Kira Knightley, which made me want to punch myself in the face. But then but then I, I, all I had to do was look and go ah oh, she's not Kira Knightley, so I don't have to punch myself. No, she she seemed to have a bit of that AQI, that Aussie uh, bit where they, you know, where they say something and their voice goes up a little bit at the end. I thought she w- she was putting on an Australian accent for the first couple of minutes, but no, that that was the only thing that sort of bothered me about her about her voice. Um, I I was just so impressed with how 
sort of childlike she portrayed the character for for quite a portion of the film and um, but just how keen she was she just seemed so excited to be in star wars and uh, i think that really you know popped off uh, off the screen that's that's the thing i mean with the prequels nobody's excited no every you know everybody's taking it really really seriously i mean mcgregor gets moments but like portman the problem is, I think, with, with, the, with the prequels is what they did was they essentially went out or, instead of going out like what they've done, they've, gone out, they've got people who aren't massive stars. They went out and went, right, Hugh McGregor, he's the next big thing. Liam Neeson, Samuel L. Jackson. And they went out and essentially they, they picked sort of people who were very much becoming very established stars, whereas here they're going, look, here are these people. Some people might know who they are, but we're going to make them fucking stars. One of the most beautiful bits of, of the entire film for me was um, she, she she sort of cooks herself some dinner. And uh, and by the way, that self-raising bread was awesome. I, I want me one of those machines. Um, anyway, she cooks herself a bit of dinner and she just goes and sits outside. And then very sort of childlike, she puts on the X-Wing helmet. Um, and it's like it's like watching a you know a six seven year old girl at that point, and then it pans back and you've got that downed at that she sat against, and that would just you, you know that sent shivers right up my spine as a Star Wars fan. That that was that was awesome. Um, I, I, I think what I'd like to talk about is the, the there's been a bit of debate that's just sort of come on on Twitter and a few other mediums today uh, about people calling her a, a Mary Sue. Uh, character something that i mean I've, I've not studied cinema at all so i wasn't familiar with this either of you familiar with this idea of a, a mary sue character like someone who's just like good 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 and there's not like there's nothing apparently interesting about the character because of it, it to, to a small extent I, I think it comes a lot from the fact that she seemed to acquire um jedi powers oh, yeah. um out of nothing and and it's sort of yeah that that, that good character who um un- unrealistically uh, sort of ascends and and saves the day you know um and 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 I got to be honest that was a big niggle for me the first time around the idea that it, here's someone who apparently uh, has got no sort of jedi training You're um not your daughter. well not, not I, I hope not and I don't think so I, I think I think Mark's on something, but I also think there's something else there that that pe- people have missed. The flashback sequence, which I uh, uh, and perhaps flashback is is the wrong phrase to use. The sort of forced dream, you know, when she yeah. held on to the, the lightsaber. I, I really like that. I like the Empire sequence um, where Luke goes in the cave tr- tremendously. It's one of my favourite sequences out of Empire, and it sort of harkened back to that. But within that sequence, there was so much that I think I need to get it on Blu-ray and slow it right down. I get the feeling that that Rey has been trained as a Jedi before, um, and I think she was taken from the Jedi Temple at an early age. So so I think she has this innate ability um, as, as someone... I know you're going to hate me for saying this with a high midichlorian count, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but but, but I, I think she's previously been trained as a Jedi. It, it, if you remember, they sort of said uh, through character conversation um, that Luke had been training Jedis. And, yeah. and, that, and that Kylo sort of d- destroyed all of that and it all went to shit. And, and I think perhaps Ray was part of that at a very young age. 
And then um, her parents sort of took her away from that and, and dropped her on Jakku. And she's, of course, waiting for them to come and pick her up. Now, who her parents are, I don't know. There's conjecture about who, who she's related to. I, it would make sense for her to be a Skywalker herself. But I, I think she's got Jedi training. And I, I think fucking that, that... pray she's not a Skywalker. It oh. just... If she's someone's, if she's someone's kid, which I have a feeling they're gonna play that card, it's a little bit like, you need to stop fucking playing that card. I just, like, it's, it's Kylo Ren, it makes sense, uh, you know, the, and it, it, it does kind of mirror what was going on with Luke and Darth Vader. It just, don't, don't be Luke's, don't be Luke's daughter. Please don't be Luke's daughter. Please. I, I, I have a feeling she might be, but, um. Oh. But the thing I, is, I can't imagine Luke Skywalker fucking. Well, you know, if after you know, he's the hero of the rebellion. He's but he's blown up uh, the second. Well, he's blown up two Death Stars or been involved in the destruction. Jedi's of Death aren't Stars. supposed to fuck, are they? Though? Yeah, but if you've got that hero status, you're going to put it about a bit. And yeah, I'd be all right if it was like if it was Obi Wan's granddaughter or something see, like that. That would be fine. That's a realistic possibility as well. I mean, she's got the English accent. Who, who says she isn't? Uh, Obi-Wan must have had liaisons on Tatooine. Oh, Obi-Wan was fucking, like, m- crazy in the prequels. You know he was. Y- Ewan, Mac- Ewan McGregor's voice was in that flashback. Yes. That, that, that's been confirmed, So, or, or that dream sequence. So, you know, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But for me, uh, one of my first niggles uh, watching it was, you know, that she acquired the Force powers so easily. And it seemed that when Kylo Ren tried to um, read her mind, she could read him back. And I, I just wonder if sort of Kylo reading her mind triggered something that was there before, something that she'd had before. And, and yeah, yeah, well, and that fits with the titles. I mean, the titles have always been so literal, aren't they? A, a New Hope, obviously, that's Luke. The Empire Strikes Back, Vader's, uh, you know, putting the foot down, Return of the Jedi, Luke's back again. So this Force Awakening, is it the fact that it was already there, that she'd already had the training and it's just been reawakened by the old Kylo Ren um, catching her incident? Can I just say, I missed Kylo Ren's name when when somebody said it, and I got kind of that it was something like that. My brain changed it automatically was in there because I needed to associate the name with him. So for the entirety of the film, my brain was calling him Kilo of Pain. Well, it does, bring, it does bring several kilos of pain. I thought, I thought, I actually prefer my name, to be honest, than Kilo Ren. I'm sure he's had a kilo of pain when he's been at, been at home cutting himself, because I think he's a bit of an emo, you know. He was incredibly emo. He, he was literally a petulant child. Yeah, but that, that's awesome, though. I like that. Yeah, don't be wrong. I, I actually, I, I, I quite like the fact that it, it, he's just an angry little bastard. He's, he's basically a spoiled rich kid who wants to be dark so fucking bad but there's something in him pulling him away. But no, seriously, like, when he's getting out his fucking lightsaber and trashing the place, and, you know, the, the bit where the two soldiers, two stormtroopers are walk, about to walk in, they just change their mind and walk back. That was brilliant. But, um, it, it, I, those, I, ten, those temper tantrums were superb, the way he yeah, just switched that yeah. on and just, just wrecked the shop. But he, he's beautiful. The teen girls are going to love all of that. The, you, know, you know, the complicated bad guy. Yeah, yeah no, even though it's like, the whole kind of like, oh, you know, I can fix him, I can turn him round. It's like, by the end, he's killed Han Solo, and it's like, he's forever marked in these films as the guy who killed Han Solo. Um, did, did, did you not think all that was telegraphed 
as soon as yeah, as soon as Han started that walkout, uh, you, ah, you, knew, you knew what was going to happen. That and uh, everybody just seeming to come in to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though I will say, I, I, I kind of thought, I, I, all the way through, I've been thinking Han Solo's going to die just because I know Harrison Ford kind of wants shot of it all anyway. Um, even though it does seem like he kind of enjoyed this experience, and if he is back for a bit in Episode Eight, that wouldn't surprise me now because it does kind of seem like all of this is giving him a bit of a pep. But I, I knew it was going to happen. But the, the scene played me. Because I, I did start thinking, hang on a second, maybe, 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 like, when he gives him, like, he, he like, presents the lightsaber to him. But it, I, I was kind of thinking, hang on a sec. But it was only for a second. It's like in Toy Story 3, where they make you think they're actually all going to die. Yeah. And, and, and they... they, they no, for, for me, it was never... Oh, the walkway he walked across. No railing. There was no There's railing. There's no railings on any of the fucking walkways uh, in that Star Killer base, man. How much safety would you have in a fucking nut? Finish them. They always get, they always get to the point and go, oh, we just about finished it, but fuck, I really use it. It's Star Wars. Star Wars is not Star Wars without someone falling down a dirty, great big shaft. Yeah. Oh, no, that's true. That's true. I, but no, I mean, that, that scene actually, it worked for me. I get it. it it's telegraphed as fuck. Like, as soon as, like Finn and Ray and Chewie are all there. It's right, yeah, okay, so everybody's gonna witness his death then. But I, I don't know. It, it was, it's an iconic moment, you know, but, and I, I, to be honest, I think they pull it off. It's a well done enough scene, yeah. It's, it, it, even though you, you do see it going a mile off, it is still quite effective, um, as it, 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 it's killing off a major character. Eric. It, it worked for me. I was quite happy with it as a, uh, as a death scene. Uh, I think a lot of people have been upset because they wanted Han to go out, um, you, you know, in a blaze of glory. But for me, I was happy with that. You, you know, it's what a father would do. Leia laid it on pretty heavy before he, he left. That it, You know, you're his father. You have to save him. So I, I think, it, you know, it, it resonates. I mean, I've got no kids, but you two are both fathers. I, I think it resonates with what a father would do. What I want is I want Chewbacca to go out fighting. If Chewbacca goes out like a bitch, then I'll be upset. He will though. You know he will. He'll be he'll be brawling or he'll be in the Falcon, fucking deep in the shit. It, like Chewbacca's. The thing is, Chewbacca's gonna be is gonna want some fucking vengeance now as well. I'm looking forward to pissed off Chewbacca. <laughs> yes, episode nine. <laughs> you know, I mean, you already. Get, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But no, I mean, you already get him fucking blowing up. I love that gift, by the way. They're like Chewbacca almost kind of like smiling and then blowing it up. But it's that's the thing. I I, I really like Chewbacca's reaction because he's like, right, fuck it. This base is going down. Yeah. Right. Come on. You know, it's, it's, it's so good. A kilo of pain straight away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> a kilo of pain. <laughs> I've got to say, one of the running things I really liked about it was Han Solo learning to love the bowcaster. But here's the, here's the thing. He's, he's been with Chewie for the last 35 years. Why has he never tried the bowcaster before? No, I know. Yeah, no, that, that totally. But still. Like, that was the first time we tried it. Like, the first time we used it, it was like, it was, it was almost a... Why the shit haven't I used this before? It's just like the, it's like the second time he uses it. And there's just a look on his face like, this is fucking amazing. 
the fact that he turns around to him at one point and says, I really like this. Yeah, it was that, it was that bit. Oh, man, it was... I want, I want one for Christmas, i got to be honest. Totally. So, so, so we, we, we talked some of the good stuff about Han Solo. Um, th- there were five minutes... I mean, Mark said it was too long. For me, it was five minutes too long. And it, here's the five minutes that really, really upset me, if you want me to get into it. Yeah, go on. Uh, uh, and it's the bit where we're on board, not the Millennium Falcon, but on board the, the other ship that the Millennium Falcon gets sucked into. Um, the bit where um, that awful, awful Scottish guy and his gang come on board, and then we've got the two guys from the raid who are completely wasted, um, who who come from the other side. They're called the Kanji Club, and as soon as they said that, all I heard was the Culture Club. So so all I'm getting is karma, 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 chameleon, in, in my head all the way. Add to, add to that, you've got some tentacled monster shit that's CGI, and, and it's just totally unbelievable. And, and that whole five minutes was so, I mean, we talked Star Trek before, that was so Star Trek. And that five, when, when I saw that five minutes, I thought, oh shit, this is going downhill from here on in. Thankfully it didn't. But for me, if, if, if you want my special edition, that five minutes gets locked out. I know why they did it. I know they wanted us to, to take us back to Smuggler Ham, uh, and, and see a little bit of that side of him. But for me, I mean, what did you two guys think about that? It's the most forgettable part of the entire film, yes. Kind of misjudged part of the film. If you if you're going to put in front of people the uh, the two guys from the raid who named escape me right now, um, there, right? The only people who are going to recognise who they are are people who have watched the raid and enjoyed the raid movies. I'm going to look at it and go, oh, we're going to get some Star Wars kind of serious martial arts. Yeah, we're going to get some hand-to-hand combat or something, like, yeah. What you're going to have is, essentially, then that gang fighting that gang over who gets to kill Han, or something like that, and then Han and Chewie kind of slip away as they're fighting. And then, no, everything just explodes. It's kind of like, why were they even there, then? What, what, that is just cameos for the sake of cameos. But, I mean, the thing is, I was high on goodwill by that point, because, I I mean, Christ, the introduction of the Millennium Falcon, where they're running along, and they're like, let's use that ship. No, that ship's garbage, let's use that ship. Then the other ship blows up, and then they turn, and it's revealed that it's the Millennium Falcon that they described as perfect. Fucking perfect. It genuinely got me. I was not expecting it. Neither was I. It was, and like you say, I had the biggest grin on my face. That, yeah, exactly. I caught myself in moments just smiling. And like, I just, I don't catch myself doing that in films all that often. But I, like, for mo- the vast majority of this film, I was in happy place. I, I was just totally in the happy place. That the, the, the niggles were... We're, we're just not, it was like Teflon, I was just bouncing off. But also, the, the reveal of Han and Chewie, it, like, it just them, like, just walking in, walking into the ship. And I wasn't expecting that then either, because they say, oh, it's the First Order, and then boom. And it, it, I, again, I, I was, I, I felt that was slightly spoiled by the trailer. Really? Okay. Uh, I, the Chewie we home, I, I, I instantly thought that was going to be that, but you're right. The reveal of the Falcon was a um, high five moment. I, I mean, we went to see it at the midnight showing, and it was quite boisterous, um, and and the crowd really loved that one. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole action scene after that as well, where they're um, 
it, like going through is it the down star destroyer that they, they're, they're going through it's, it is and, yeah. and what i really loved about this is is for me the tie fighter was the star there was so much tie fighter action and it, throughout the original trilogy they were always presented as being a bit of a shit ship um you know they they, they were destroyed incredibly easily but the, the, there was so much tie fighter action oh beautiful yeah, I mean they're badass, man. I mean you got the um, the the X wings as well um, uh, coming in around Maz Kanada's place, and uh, it, it, like again, just the the X wings skimming along a fucking surface. I mean, I, I really liked that you got to see X wings and Tie Fighters just not not in space fighting, fighting above surfaces, and, and you know, it, it, I don't know, it just it was something new and awesome. I I mean. The action, for the most part, really, um, did did work for me. But I mean, I gotta say, if, if I do if I do have a problem with it, it, it is Star Killer base. I get that the point of this film is to basically introduce the characters and the mythology to sustain future Star Wars films, and I think it does that absolutely successfully. But the almost kind of B story of this film of Star Killer base. I, I, is is a bit lacking for me. Um, it, it, I mean, a lot of people have said it's basically the Death Star over again, but that is that is a salient point. But then again, one of my not issues but observations is there's a lot where you can go. That's very Star Wars, not Star Wars universe, but the story is quite heavy sort of borrowed from a lot of things. You've got the fact that it's, you know, the, the bad guy is, you know, it, it's, it's related to one of the heroes and you've got all that, which isn't a problem. It all works quite well. It was a little bit like they went, right, we've got the Death Star, but we've got the Star Killer, which is just a really big Death Star. Well, let's be honest, the old film is A New Hope regurgitated. I mean, I mean, you've got a really, a really important bit of information stored inside a, a droid, ju- just like it was in, you know, the whole, you could go through the whole film and you could, you could match things up with a new hope, but I'm okay with that. After the prequels, this was what was necessary. We needed to bring it back, back to where Star Wars began. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Star, Star Killer Base, it, it was no Death Star for me. It, it's, it's a, it, it was a weak idea. And I, I mean, what are the First Order doing? You, you know, if you're going to build a, a, a new, um, you, you know, new big killing machine, don't build something that looks just like the Death Star with the same fault that the Death Star has, that it can be. Yeah, easy. I mean, that, that's kind of ridiculous. The fact that it is literally the same weakness. I, I'll, I'll give, I'll give them a pass this time. But if, if that comes up again, if there's another giant spherical, killing machine that, that you know then you've got to start asking questions um but I'll, I'll give it a pass this time for me a, a much bigger problem at the moment is snoke um I, sure. I, I i hated the the whole snoke parts of the film um I, i'm glad they did him as a hologram because i'm i'm hoping he's going to be normal size and not he's going to be like that yeah i was immediately thinking right so we got some fucking 40 foot bloke yeah but i was like that until you realize hologram and you go oh that i can i can get behind the hologram if he turns out to be if he turned out to be a, a big 40 foot thing then at that point it will be, yeah, I'm done. And I'll, I'll, I will probably end up just fucking walking out because it, it makes no sense. 
it all went a bit Lords of the, Lord of the Rings at, at, at that point, and you, you know, it, and it, there's a bit of a fan theory going round um, that that Plagueis, who's uh, Sidious's master, um, of course, Sidious talks about destroying him in the prequels, um, but if you look at Snoke, he's quite decomposed, and there's a fan theory going around that Snoke is actually Plagueis. And I, I wouldn't be too unhappy with that um, as an idea, but there's got to be more to him for, for me, because if he's the ultimate bad guy, then he's a pretty poorly designed ultimate bad guy. That, that, um, that, that, that's the thing. Like in in the like pre-release stuff, they were saying he had to be motion capture because you can't really describe his like his weirdness and his features. He's otherworldly. No, 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 no. He's a bloke with some bits kind of with dents in his face he's little, essentially like a rotten Voldemort sure yeah spot yeah on. spot yeah that is spot on I like the thing is again there's an awful lot of this film that is just setting up stuff but and which I, I I'm usually want to criticize for like age of eight Ultron an awful lot of that is just setting up shit for future films but while it's doing it yeah that that's the thing <laughs> while it's doing it like this has got the interactions it's got it's got the characters it's got it has got some arcs in it like kylo ren basically go like is fighting between light and dark and goes dark yeah and um i mean ray like goes from waiting from her for her parents to not wanting to take the responsibility to like basically manning up, you know. I, so there's enough of that there, and Han Solo as well. Is there's an arc of manning up as well? I th- I think there's two arcs that are going to go forward with this, and um, you, you may disagree, but I think we're going to get um, the redemption of Kylo Ren over the three films. I think Kylo Ren is going to become good by the end of Episode Nine, and I actually think um, Ray's going the other way. I think Ray's going dark over the over the next two films um the fact that that, that she's going to find out who who left her behind who these parents are who left her behind uh, and and i think she's going to become you know it's going to be a switcheroo so to speak so i i definitely think there's there's a lot to look forward to one thing i will say that, that i really hope um disappears in the the next the upcoming films is donnell gleason's character because the <laughs> The, the, the speech he gives about the, the star destroyer weapon thing was frankly a little bit embarrassing to watch. He was bad for large parts of this movie. I can see Kylo Ren fucking doing away with him during episode eight. I, I, would, I would hope he gets, he, gets, he gets pissed off and just goes, oh my god, you're just such a buttkiss. That's why you've got it, because you're a buttkiss, clearly. And just as one of his little fucking emo moments in that and I you see, you see, I wasn't enjoying Domhnall's performance up until that speech, and I thought that's, that speech sort of brought his character back a little bit. Um, and at the end, when all the troopers sort of put their right arm up in, in a bit of a sort of Nazi salute almost, um, yeah, so that, that speech did it for me. I, 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 sorry to disagree with you there, Mark, but... It, to me, it was... It looked a little bit like a, a man who clearly is a small man trying to act like a big man there. He's, he's no Peter Cushing, that, that's for sure. Yeah. He, he also is back in episode eight. Um, and, and I know you might think, well, how, how's that going to happen? Because, you know, the base blew up. But 
he did go and see he did go and see Snoke just beforehand, and um, it did look like he was getting away. Yeah, Snoke told him to get the fuck off, didn't he? So. Ren and come to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, seeing as we're talking about the, um, the I want to call them the Imperials, the First Order. Um, what again? Another of my massive gripes is I, I'm a big collector. That's where you know that's my thing in this, the Star Wars universe. And what's been pushed to collectors um, since September, since the, the toys and the merchandise came out, was Captain Phasma. Uh, yeah. there, there, there has been so much Phasma merchandise. I know for a fact that a, lo- a lot of what I'm going to get for Christmas. Is Phasma merchandise. I'm I'm pretty pissed off about that now because um, what a complete bitch. She did nothing. W- why why um, put Gwendolyn Christie in the role if you're not even going to take her helmet off? She could have been a man. She could have been a woman. It made absolutely no difference. She she wasn't scary. She, she sort of had a go at Finn on on the ship, but then f- sort of Finn didn't do what she said, and he, he helped release uh, Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac, a bit later on. Um, eventually, she got cornered by the heroes, put in a trash compactor. She did nothing, all, all chrome armor, and 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 you know, no punch at all. The the, the best Captain Phasma related thing is Finn's pure joy in being able to put her down a trash compactor. Yeah, like that. That's like. I mean, we haven't talked much about John Boyega, but holy fucking shit, he is having so much fun. Uh, like that, but that's it. Uh, it's it's mental how lacking Captain Phasma is, considering you know it, it, the, the whole kind of you know it's the first Star Wars villain that's a that's a woman they've been saying in the films and and, and stuff like that, and it, it's just she literally is so insignificant. She's just so insignificant, the fact that I have the uh, Wikipedia page for Star Wars Force Awakens open, and it lists kind of like all the, the cast in bullet points. She's not even a bullet point one. She's just listed later on as I, Gwendolyn Christie, plays Captain Phasma. And Simon and Pegg has as much to do as her. And <laughs> he does it worse, I've got to be honest. But, you know, Phasma, the marketing has been Phasma, 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 and... Uh, and yet she's a complete nothing. She, again, she is going to be in episode eight. So I can only hope that, I mean, Mark was saying before he wants this sort of Chewbacca vengeance. I'd like a bit of Phasma vengeance in the next film because otherwise, you, you know, I've spent about a couple of hundred quid on, on this girl and oh, she's, God. she's, she's badly let me down. Yeah. I, I, no, I mean, I could, I could see a Finn Phasma thing coming in, in episode eight. Um, but I mean, what, John, what, what you, you, you mean a relationship? No, God, no, God, no. No, oh, no, no, come no. on, Ian. That's what that's what you've been fantasising about. No, no, no. Well, I mean, fair enough. Um, God. Gwendolyn Christ... I t- actually, I was watching some interviews with uh, with the cast. Gwendolyn Christie has got the scariest fucking laugh I've ever heard. I need to hear this now. <laughs> and, and, like, she opens up her mouth as well, and it does look like she's going to swallow your soul. She's a bit of an odd bird. I imagine she laughs like an horse. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I, like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it is kind of mean given, you know, her fairly androgynous look. Um, but it, it, seriously, it's a really fucking scary laugh. Um, but, oh, John Boyega, come on now. How much fucking fun is he having? Yeah, he, he is, he's, He's definitely along for the ride, and he? he does seem to be really, really sort of pleased to be doing what he's doing. I, 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 it's, 
Sorry. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his performance. I thought I thought he, he did well. He was my he was my big worry casting wise going in. Um, I got to be honest, I didn't like Attack of the Block. Um, I, I think I remember listening to, to you guys talking about it, or maybe it was Ian on Cinerama. I don't know how long ago it was, but there was a bit of a sort of misogyny in that film. I, I didn't quite get with and. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't take kindly to the film at all. So yeah, he was a bit of a worry for me, but no, he, he allayed all those fears. Um, and, and he had some really great humorous moments. My, my favorite bit was, um, he, he's, he's having a conversation with Han and Han starts doing the look to tell him something's happening behind him. And he, he just carries on for, for a little bit before he realizes it's going on behind him. Classic moment. Yeah, that's when she's climbing up the thing behind him. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, he's, con- he's, he's constantly having these plans to save her, but she doesn't need any saving, she's just fucking cracking on. I mean, also, I've got to say, the scene where she's trying out the um, the, the Jedi mind control on the Stormtrooper, and I've, I've heard that Stormtrooper was Daniel Craig. Correct, it is It is Daniel that's, Craig, yeah. That's awesome. Because <laughs> he, he got quite snippy and denied it at first, he said, why the fuck would I, would I do that? And then it's now come out that it is it is him. <laughs> yeah, he, he was filming the Bond and he was at the studio for a day and they roped him in to do it. And I, I like the way it's not just the first mind trick, there's a second mind trick where he tosses his gun away as well. That's that that's really good. No, the the other Boyega bit I like is where he's he's with Han and and, and Chewie and, and Chewie says he, he he's cold. Um and and Boyega says, "Oh, I thought we could use the force." And Han says, "That's not how you use the force." Oh my! And also, I mean, it's it's cool how funny this film is. Just the bit uh, um where Chewie is getting nursed. And it's almost like, you know, she's, he's get, like, she's like checking his wounds and whatnot. And she's almost saying like, oh, you've been a brave boy, haven't you? That sounds really scary. I think that's actually a line. And he's like, it's absolutely br- brilliant bit. Absolutely cracked me up. My, my, my favorite funny bit of the film. Uh. Um, was where Leia's coming off the shuttle and then 3PO comes off the shuttle and he said, you know, he, he interrupts that sort of moment and he said, uh, you know, I'm C-3PO. You might not have recognised me because of my red arm. Red arm that was yeah. just super. Yeah, yeah. My, my, in terms of comedy moments, the best bit was where you've got uh, Finn does a thumbs up to the weird um, Dyson droid um, and... <laughs> Uh, it, it sticks out the, the lighter thing and thumbs up back to him which at that moment I was already a little bit like I don't like that weird fucking ball thing and as soon as he did that I was like I like that weird ball thing he's like uh, do you know that does that does not surprise me York's premier fire magnet <laughs> it enjo- enjoys the joke with a lighter well done Steve that's good that's the side of somebody fucking listens um I, I, actually, I will say as well, I very much liked, um, have you got a boyfriend, a cute boyfriend? I like, like, like Boyega there, that, that was, that was awesome. I, yeah, I, it is, I don't know, it's just a crazy fucking entertaining time. Um, it's just, it ticks all the boxes, it really does. I'm really fucking looking forward to seeing it again. I, it's probably not going to be until after New Year, but I'm really looking forward to it. How, how, how did you both see it, and how many times have you seen it? Uh, once 2D. Once 2D. I've seen it twice 2D. Um, I'm, I was just interested to see what, if either of you had seen it in 3D or even in IMAX and and what you thought. No, um, I, I know 
Jordan went to see it today in IMAX and he, he Jordan doesn't like IMAX, does he? No, uh, I, he, he, I, he just WhatsApped us saying I don't, I still don't like IMAX. Yeah, I read his tweet and he said pretty much he doesn't see the point of IMAX. So <laughs> I love IMAX. IMAX is fucking. If I, I mean, like, it's just the the IMAX in Cardiff is a fake IMAX, and right. I, it also Odeon were charging twenty quid for a ticket um, for like a Thursday morning showing, and it was like, no, that's not fucking happening. No way. I I just used my unlimited card. Yeah. You know, done. I get an IMAX literally five minutes around the corner from me, and it's. Is it a proper IMAX though? IMAX. Really? Yeah. yeah. Shit. Um, it's a, like a proper. Um, it's going to be apparently they're looking aiming for the same size as the Manchester one. That would be amazing. Yeah, and it literally is like five five minutes round the corner from a ten minute walk round the corner. And uh, it's fucking beautiful. Actually, the, the, the one my biggest complaint about it, and it's it's a very big but very small complaint at the same time with the film, is I do think it's a little bit too long. But you know the the, the absolute ending where it, where the film actually finishes uh, and it ends. It should have ended about seven or eight seconds earlier. In in terms of, in terms of, in terms of hold, holding the lightsaber out too long. Holding the lightsaber out where she holds the lightsaber out to him. There it should end. There that's the perfect time to end it. Don't then end it with an ugly fucking helicopter shot. Yeah. The- the, the spinning camera. That was, oh my god, really? Right, not only is Star Wars, you're better than that. You deserve, this film deserves better than that shaky spinning shot. Abraham's usually knows better than that. And you had a perfect fucking, you know, passing of the torch moment there to go bang and then have the music and you'd be like, that's it, that's brilliant. And then a guy like that, it was like, why? Why have you done that? I've got to be honest. I was I was too fixated on how good Hamill looked like with his with his beard, how how bedraggled he looked. He just looked like the rakish hobo, didn't he? Oh, he looked he looked absolutely awesome. But no, I agree that that, that seven or eight seconds, yeah, that that could have been trimmed definitely. I, I've got to, I've got to say though, I loved the magnificent trolling of a Mark, Max von Sydow being in it. And Mark Hamill being second in the cast list, I like. It's just it's, it's, Max, it's, it's awesome. Mark Hamill is one of the greatest voice voice actors of, of our generation. You know, with 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 his Joker, he is he is so loved and so adored by a lot of people. And for for, for him to be in this film and be second build and not to say a fucking word is awesome. It just I thought it was hilarious. I started thinking about ten minutes towards the end. Is Hamill even going to be in this with all his fucking turning up to the premieres and like being in the interviews and all that kind of stuff? Are they just going to completely like fake you out and just not have him be in it? But no, you do have the one shot. But Max von Sydow, that was amazing that Max von Sydow was in this. And, you know, it was all the mystery about what role he was going to have. And yes, he gets the first line in the film. But to be fair... Pretty much any old man actor could have played that role. I mean, I've got. Is he going to be in like again in flashbacks in episode eight or something? He's he's been he's been confirmed for episode eight. Yeah. Has he really? Okay. He has. Yeah. 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 Um. But but the way 
Yeah, I, I read somewhere that he is also going to be in one of the um, the anthologies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the way he was talking to Oscar Isaac Poe Dameron at, at the start, he sounded like he was pretty integral. And until I read the credits at the end, I was thinking, who is he? Who's he supposed to be? You know, he must be someone the way he was talking. Um, but I think he's called Tor San Lecker or something. The name doesn't. That's it. The, the name doesn't ring a bell at all in terms of, you, you know, the existing Star Wars mythology. But yeah, I've heard as well that he's going to be in an anthology. Interesting. Uh, fair enough, then. I, I just thought it was kind of funny that they had him come in and then he was dead five minutes later. But um, what, what, did, what did we think of uh, Maz Kanata? Can- Kanata? Kanata, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan. Um, I've, of course, I've been in contact with all my, my sort of Star Wars collecting friends and some of them were, were you know, really enjoyed the performance. But I, I just thought she was a bit of a we got to have a Yoda type figure. Um, I didn't quite get what the the glasses um magnifying and, and, and unmagnifying were about and um, i don't know she was a bit you know it's that yoda mystical speak and i know listening to mark over the last couple of weeks he he pretty much hates yoda um and and what do you think mark did, did you hate maz Kanata? she wants to fuck chewy come on that's worth some points <laughs> yeah um I, I just i felt a little bit like like you say it, it was We've got to have them interacting with somebody who isn't a... It, it felt a little bit like, here's a new toy. With that one. And, I, uh, yeah. and the castle looked like a, a bit like a, a shit cantina, didn't it? Let's be honest. They were trying to get... They were trying to get... The, we've said how much it was like it's a regurgitated new hope, and they were trying to recreate the cantina, but they, that, that band was nowhere near the cantina band. They could have they amped that up a little bit more. The fact that they did, they amp it up as you walk in. It's like, Maz has looked over this watering hole for a thousand years, and you go in and go, well, that's a fucking minute, a little bit fucking better than this in a thousand years. That, that's it. It was like a bit of a, a bit like a shit hipster bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, are we, are we out? Actually, I will say, John Williams' score, um, when you were saying earlier on about uh, Steve about uh, uh, Ray being like childlike, I think her theme and the music associated with her really helped with that. There was like the um, the scene where she gets the thing and she's kind of sliding down from the Star Destroyer, and you've got that kind of piano-y music kind of playing. I I I really liked that, and I thought it it amped things up nicely. And I I liked that they didn't fall back on the old themes all that often. But when they did kick in, they like it was just really spot on moments. Um, I've, I've, I've got my hairs are standing on end while you're talking about it. That's how much I like that piece of music. And I, I think I, I mean I know I'm getting the soundtrack for Christmas. I know someone's bought it me for Christmas, so I'll, I'll have to wait till then to, to listen to it. But um, yeah, that, that particular you, you're right. Ray's themes Ray's throughout, theme, yeah, yeah. yeah, were brilliant. Um, also, the, the last bit of music, and I know we've talked about how we perhaps thought that the, the last scene with Luke oh, went on oh, a little bit too much. Right. But but yeah, that that theme for me was the standout. But you're right, there were a couple of cues that, that related back to the OT, um, but it but it wasn't overly. You know, there was there was no Imperial March or anything like that. It wasn't overly relying on the 
existing canon. So yeah, I, I think um, if I was going to give the film an eight and a half out of ten at, at the moment, and I've not re-listened to the score in isolation, but I'd give that a nine out of ten. The, the score is great. I, um, I, it's like if you got a subscription to Apple Music, it's available through that. So I've, I've been listening to it a bit um, lately, and it, it really it holds up outside the film as well. It's wonderful, and I don't. Know, it's just. It's interesting because obviously Williams isn't scoring Rogue One. I think uh, Giacchino is, if I remember correctly. Um, so, and it's, uh, frankly, it's going to be interesting to see how long Williams lives for and uh, whether he's going to be able to get through the scores for eight and um, eight and nine as well. I mean, you know, Bridge of Spies he didn't do because he had health problems. Um, but I do. I do hope so. I just, I, I can't see. It's going to be weird listening to a Star Wars score next year and knowing it's not Williams. I, I would quite happily pay um, a sum of money into an account to, um, to pay for Williams' healthcare um, to keep him alive. You know, like, put him in bubble wrap for fuck's sake. He is he is one of the major things about Star Wars. If you go back to the original trilogy and even the, I mean, the prequel trilogy was made ten percent better by his scores. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, man. I mean, fucking Jewel of the Fates and Across the Stars, you know, like, I, seriously, is it Across the Stars in Episode Two? Is that what it's called? It is. It's one of the only good things about that film. Yeah, man. I mean, that piece of music is is great. It's a. I mean, it's. It's, it really, I don't know, it kind of, I, it just brings up, uh, Anakin and Padme in my mind, and for, for better or worse, but just, you know, the, 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 where that kicks in, where they're, um, kissing as they're being led out into that kind of gladiatorial arena, yeah. um, it's just like, that is some fucking hairs on neck shit as well, despite I mean, I mean, Aiden Christensen and Natalie Portman on screen. I mean, you just brought up Jewel of the Fates. I mean, that piece of music, and that lightsaber battle, there's no better lightsaber battle in the entire saga than that lightsaber battle in episode one. But, but, but people weren't in, you know, the actors didn't seem to be as invested. Even though that's a, a, a superb, I think Duel of the Fates is better than anything in, in the Force Awakens score. And I think that lightsaber battle shat all over the, the lightsaber battle in the forest that was in Force Awakens. But Force Awakens is so much better a film because everyone's so invested. It's so much more like my original trilogy than the sequels ever were. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I, I I quite like the lightsaber, but I agree, it's not. It's no Qui Gon, uh, Darth Maul, Obi Wan. But I liked that it was two relatively inexperienced people going at it. Um, I I and. I, I just the the, the 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 fucking rage, and I suppose like you were talking about the uh, darkness coming for Ray. Considering what happens in that battle, and the, 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 that, it did kind of seem like if they didn't get separated off, she was going to straight up fucking murder him. She would have. She would have finished him had there not been that sort of uh, separation. You know, it's oh god. The thing is, when I say I hope it doesn't happen, it's it's for the character. I really hope that character does not go to the dark side. I I I don't oh, right. Yeah, like I don't want her to go. Like because I mean, not in a because it would be shit. Just in a, I'm invested in her character, and I don't want to. I don't want to see her go bad. You know, it's I I I it's just I'm fully. What this film has done for me is I'm fully fucking in with Poe, Finn, and Ray. I am 
fully fucking in. And I am, I, I'm really glad it's only a year and a half and not two years for episode eight. But then that two year wait between episode eight and episode nine is going to be murder. Yeah, it could be a hell of a long time that that two year wait. No, you're right. I'm for me the casting uh, is superb. You know, give Nina Gold a medal because um, Isaac's has been in some superb this stuff. I loved X Machina. Um, you know, he's done some quality stuff. I mean, I loved Inside Llewellyn Davis as well. He, he's hot stuff, and he, he's going to rock whatever he does, I think. And and Ridley looks like a, a real find, a real sort of breakout star. And Boyega's got energy to spare. So, yeah, I think you're right, Ian. I think those main three are, are really going to take the, the, the saga forward. Mm. I mean, you know, Adam Driver as well. I mean, he's He's... Fantastic in this. I look. It's oh, fuck. I really, I'm really, 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 really hopeful for the future now. This is. Uh, I, 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 I kind of wish Abrams was coming back for episode eight. To be fair, I like Ryan Johnson, but it's just Abrams. I know it is a safe pair of hands. I don't know whether Johnson and especially Trevaro, even though I like Jurassic World. It, I, I, I'm not too sure. You see, that's where I disagree. I, I okay. think I, I'm glad JJ's a one shot and done, um, because I don't, I don't think he's got much more to give. And yeah, I, I agree. Both Rian Johnson and um, Colin Trevorrow are risks, but let, let's take a bit of a risk. This film, this film needed to be good enough. It needed. I mean, it's uh, reports have come out today that it's broken um, Jurassic World's record for. For, for, you know, for the opening weekend, what's it done? 258 million? Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, about 250 million in the US, which is so crazy. It, it needed that. JJ was here to bring it back and now he's brought, brought it back. I think we need a little bit of adventure. I think we need to break the mold a little bit because like, like we said before, we don't want another star killer base stroke death star. We don't want the same stuff regurgitated. We've, we've got to, um, you know, we've got to expand the mythos a little bit. That's true. I mean, is is it right that Benicio del Toro is going to be like a villain in episode eight? I fucking hope so. That that's very, 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 very interesting, and I like that they're not with <clears throat> with the villains. They're not just leaving it at the set that we've got, you know, because General Hux is pretty much useless. Captain Phasma pretty much useless. You've got Kylo Ren. I want to have someone who can maybe give Kylo Ren a bit of shit and actually feel threatening because you've got General Hux kind of sniping at him. But like Mark said, it does kind of feel like a boy trying to be a man or something. You know, it, it's um, I, 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 if it's Benicio Del Toro versus Adam Driver, you know, this, ideologically, that's a fight I want to see. Yeah, the, the, the Sith have always worked on um, replace the... You know, replace the uh, the apprentice as soon as you can. So if Snoke's less than happy with what Ren's done, um, I can see him trying to bring someone else in and that creating a bit of tension. Um, I tell you what, wasn't in it very much. The Knights of Ren. I mean, that was a a, a big bit of interest from the trailer, and that was only in the the, the, the flashback. One shot, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was only only in the flashback there or the the dream sequence there. So um, I think there's a whole area to be explored about who the Knights of Ren are, what they've done 
um, you know, is Snoke a Sith? He's not. I think that whole bad guy area has got a, you know, a real expanse to open up. And like I say, I hope eight and nine delves into that definitely. I will also say the title font at the end. I wasn't a massive fan of it. It felt different from four, five, and six. I don't know. Was the I, I, this is so fucking bad? But like from for 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 me, I'm such a dick. But. Did the titles seem a bit bigger than they should have been? Or, I don't know, they seemed a bit starker. I, I, like, against the star field in the background, it didn't quite look right to me. You, but, you see, I, I thought I was supposed to be the nerd on this podcast. Then. I'm fucking, fucking hell, serious, you've out-nerded out me, man. I, but, I, didn't, I didn't notice anything. I'll tell you what I did notice in the, um, the credits at the end. The, the guy who, I, I don't know if you know Admiral Atbar's my character... And the guy who vo- the guy who voiced Admiral Akbar, um, we met last year. Me, uh, me and the wife, we went down to London Comic Con, uh, and he's a guy called Eric Bowersfelt, and he's ninety three. Um, and to be honest, when when we met him, I thought he wasn't too far from passing. He he was really, um, you, you know, really not looking good at all. And yet he voiced Akbar again in this. That that so that, that's what my focus was on during the uh, credits. Fair enough. Well. When you go to see it, Nate, look out for that title font. It's fucking. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not so, right. So I'm looking for too too big. It's too big for the Starfield. It's too big, and it doesn't. It looks like it might be a bit too bright. <laughs> right. I'm, that's that, that's I'm what my. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's what my next viewing will be about. I saw Revenge of the Sith seven times at the cinema. So far, I've seen Force Awakens two times, so I can imagine I've got a couple of viewings yet to go. Yeah, and you've got to yeah. beat seven. You've got to beat seven. I, I will definitely be focusing on the end credits now. You've got to fucking do it, man, I'm telling you. Um, right, shit, that was like the longest main review dude and a monkey's ever had. <laughs> was that about an hour? About an hour, yeah. Bloody hell. Um, so yeah, definitely shit, don't see it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely not shit on that one. A surprise, definitely not shit. I'm so happy about that. Mark, I could have strangled you last week. fucking <laughs> blame you. I tell you what, Steve, I'm definitely not shit, obviously, by the way. I tell you what, Steve, when he fucking came out and said that he liked Jedi, I genuinely could have hugged him then. It was that Empire one. It bemusement's the fucking word, man. I just... I, I, I honestly consider Empire, the, Empire Strikes Back as a perfect film. For me, that is a 10 out of 10. It is the first Star Wars film I saw at the cinema, so perhaps that's why it holds a, um, you know, a special place in my heart. But for me, it's a 10 out of 10. There's virtually nothing wrong with that. And to hear Mark berate it as he did, I, I, I wept. I, 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 I apologise. It just, for some reason, these films just don't click with me, but I was, I, I'm looking forward to the next one, is what I'll say. And, you know, to, to, to hear Mark, uh, how he talks up some of these erotic thrillers that he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then to hear him laying to Empire Strikes Back, God, it, oh, oh, it hurt. I'll be the first of it. I have terrible taste in movies majority of the time. You know, I, I, he sort of likes Basic Instinct 2 more than he likes Empire Strikes Back. You like The Loft more than Empire Strikes Back. Fucking great movie. The Loft is not a fucking great movie. It's not. But I think it is. Um, 
I'm kind of tempted to maybe call it a day there because I I I, I would. What I will say, is I did watch one movie essentially last week, uh, and it was Scout's Guide to Zombie Apocalypse, and it is brilliant. So people seriously watch it because it is so much fucking fun. I watched I watched Jupiter Ascending last night, and that's oh, how ex- was that for you? That's exactly what a space opera should not be. God, <laughs> God that was shit. I thought you, Jupiter. Sorry, go on. As a Star Wars fan, that's what you, you had nightmares about that, that Star Wars would look something like that. I I was just perplexed at how that ever got made. How do you like old uh, Eddie Redmayne in it? I, I, I was lost for words through. Hey, I'm Bloody hell! You know, I I couldn't, I could, I couldn't. I, 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 you said I'm struggling to talk. I, I couldn't get with how poorly thought out it was. It, it, it had almost, almost this sort of design of the fifth element, but without the knowing yeah. uh, humor of it. You know, it was it, the the Vakowskis have got to really look at themselves and think, well, you know, what the hell are we putting out here? They, they are definitely filmmakers whose time has passed. I, it's, I, I just, that, that film, I, I didn't hate it. I, but, I didn't hate it, but it's but, Yeah, I mean, the whole, he saves her, she gets kidnapped again, he saves her, she gets kidnapped again. Like, literally, I think they do that three times over in that film. It's... It's fucking, like, I don't know, that is such a weird misfire, that fucking flick. And I I never thought I'd see as much of uh, Mila Kunis staring into toilet bowls as I did. (laughs) That's right, yeah, she's like a fucking cleaner, isn't she? Yeah, it's it's not a great film, Jupiter is ending. Bloody hell. Um, If I ever do actually ever meet Eddie Redmayne face to face, that is the film I will ask him about. Just because I know a little bit of him will die inside if I just go, oh, you're the guy, oh, what was it, you were in, you were, oh, God, yeah, you were, you were in Jupiter Ascending, weren't you? Because uh, he, he, I mean, he was like, I'm not doing any promo work for that, I am not mentioning it at all. Oh, God, yeah, it was around the time he was up for the Oscar as well, wasn't it? Uh, Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending, sponsored by Toilet Duck. There you go. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll just rattle off a couple of things really quickly. Um, I watched The Ridiculous Six, um, which is two hours long. Okay, what? Uh, like, it's 119 minutes long. It's ridiculous. I laughed a few times. I did. Yep. But it's two hours long. You're laughing a few times in a comedy that's two hours long. But am I right in thinking this is a film? Yeah. It's the first of Adam Sandler Netflix um, contracts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got another two or three of these to come out. Yeah, I think there was four picture deal. And, and I mean, the thing is, it's had a budget. Um, I mean, it, it actually looks all right, you know. Um, but and, di- it, and do you, do you like Sandler stuff? No, I mean, like you know, grown ups are grown. Grown ups can fuck off. Have I yeah, seen grown ups too? No, I'm talking about the, you know, the previous Sandler stuff. Wedding oh, like, singer. like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, old school uh, uh, Sandler, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, $60 million. I can believe that. Fuck me. And it, and it, it, it's not been released in cinemas, it's just a Netflix film. Yeah. Jeez, that's fucking bold from Netflix. Fair. Netflix have got fucking cash to fucking spare, though, bud. They do, but still, that's a, it's a 
bold move to throw that much money at, at something that's, you know, for their thing. They they must fucking, I mean, it must be that Sandler's, um, Sandler films must get a lot of fucking through play on Netflix. Just take a minute and think of what you could do with 60 million. I mean, it's it's mental that Netflix's first two original movies to be released on Netflix are Beasts of No Nation and The Ridiculous Six. I, it's just it's such a weird dichotomy of of aim and quality. Uh, it's just yeah, uh, but I mean, it's 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 fine. Yeah, I know it's not. It's rubbish. But I, I don't know. How I just said it's fine. Um, are, it's, it's are there links with the Hateful Eight? Because I can only imagine that's why he's called it the Ridiculous Six. No, not at all. I mean, it's just it's obviously he just basically came up with it after he heard about the Hateful Eight. Uh, you know, it's I mean the the, the story for what it is. Um, Adam Sandler plays a kind of a, a guy whose mum was killed like when he was young and he was raised by uh, Native Americans and his biological father played by Nick Nolte um, comes along and says, I'm dying. I hid a load of money uh, in this place and I want you to have it. And then he gets kidnapped by Danny Trejo. So uh, Adam Sandler goes off in search for him and finds out that his dad had six kids with different mothers. Um, and it's Adam Sandler, Taylor Lautner, Jorge Garcia, Hurley from Lost, um, Terry Crews, Luke Wilson, um, and oh, uh, Rob, Rob Schneider, um, and yeah, and um, they're, they're all half brothers basically, and they go off to save him. Um, Taylor Lautner is actually going full retard, but <laughs> uh, like, it's it, seriously as if he watched Tropic Thunder, saw Simple Jack, and thought that's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> Like it's it's like I mean I genuinely it's mental. Um, like it, 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 I just yeah, just watch part of it for ten, like just to see what I mean. Um, uh, I mean Luke Wilson doesn't do an awful lot, but I mean Terry Crews is kind of fun. Uh, Jorge Garcia doesn't speak a w- the word; he just mumbles and stuff. He basically plays like a hermit, um, but he's okay. Uh, I, it just it's. It's not as offensive as a lot of Sandler's other stuff, you know, just from a quality point of view. So that's something. I don't know why I actually watched the whole thing, but I did. Um, and uh, when I was when I said it's fine, it's because I was looking at the poster for Vacation, which I also watched. Um, and it's fine. I guess it's fine. Yeah, it, it, it's all right. You know, it's. I, I, it did, the meta-ness annoyed me because the Jump Street films did it far better year, a few years uh, before. Um, and I, I don't know. It's just it's Ed Helms being trusting and innocent and towards the end he loses his cool. Yeah. You know, kind of like Chevy Chase. But at least Chevy Chase had an air of smuttiness to him. Um, that it, yeah, Ed Helms in this is basically kind of playing it squeaky clean. Um, even though I did like the whole thing about him teaching his son about rim jobs, uh, just being like kissing the rim of the mouth, and then he asked, and then his son asked the girl for a rim job. I don't know. It's it's simple pleasures like that are fine, and Charlie Day has quite a good little cameo in it. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It's utterly inessential, but it killed ninety five minutes. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, shall we? We may as well end it there. So, um, thank you very much again to Steve. That was great. And also, thank you for leading the discussion there. You did a far better job than I did. Uh, it was, it was good. You were like kind of moving things along and bringing up good points and good co- uh, topics of conversation. And, uh, that's not usually what I do. So I appreciate it. Oh, um, I, could, I could talk about Star Wars for hours and hours and hours. Um, it has been an absolute delight being asked to come on the show. Um, I was, I was, I listened to Cinerama back in the day. Yes, you do. Um, I, I listen to 35mm Heroes. Um, you, you are uh, some of my podcasting heroes, the pair of you. Um, I listen to, you know, quite a breadth of podcasts and I'm so pleased that there are some, some people like yourselves who are, um, sort of constants in the podcasting community. Um, so it, it's an absolute, uh, d- delight to be asked to come on the show. Um, uh, and thank you very much. Oh, bless you, Steve. That's really kind. Yeah. It's it's good to good to know that we're actually entertaining some people. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Miranda Sawyer seems to think that we all need to make art and. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know whether you, whether it, like you've seen anything about this, Steve. But Miranda Sawyer did an article in the Guardian about how British podcasts are so much worse than US podcasts because of how much well better produced US podcasts are, and she's talking about how. You know, like any art, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and she's basically saying, you know, podcasts just seem to be people trying to make each other laugh more than anything else. And it's like, right, I'd appreciate it if someone who didn't just learn what podcasts were two days ago could actually write an article about podcasting. Well, you see, for me, podcasting isn't an art form. No, no, exactly. So that whole article just becomes redundant there. There's, a, there's, a, there's the, the most pithy and pathetic line of the entire fucking bullshit article is the, is the last line it, which is, I can quote it direct, all art is made through editing after all. Why should podcasting be any different? For a start off, podcasting's not art. It isn't art. Secondly, not all art is made, is, is made through editing at all. <laughs> it's just an utterly ridiculous article written by an idiot who has no idea what podcasting actually is and that people like me and Ian didn't just decide to do a uh, a podcast and then go right that's it have a chat and try and make each other laugh and then put it out there's a lot there is a lot that goes sort of on behind the scenes and stuff like that we don't have a professional studio for a start off we record it in different fucking countries hmm Podcasting is is raw conversation, but that doesn't mean to say there's not work that goes on behind it. Um, I I mean, I work for an American podcast, and and yeah, they they have um, Arnie, the guy who runs Star Wars Action News, runs a number of podcasts, including a a film review podcast, and it is, um, you know, perhaps a bigger organism than some of some of the UK podcasts, but. it still has that raw feel to it. It's it, it's not about art. It's about opinion. Podcasting is about opinion. It, it's what you want to get out there. And and people like me who, who listen to lots of podcasts and like I've listened to you two fellas for for, for absolute time. I, I listen to you because of the relationship. Because of you know you two guys how you get on together and 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 what you talk about. 
that's what I tune into. I tune in because and because I want to hear you two getting on. I, I want to hear you talk about film, of course. But it, you know, I, I found this so easy tonight talking to the pair of you because yeah. it, you know it, it's real. It's not art at all. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a it's a ridiculous article that essentially, like Ian said, it, it's somebody who um, it, who's just learned what podcasting is and thinks that that serial is what podcasting is and it's not it's not at all that's like turning around and saying oh my god i watched an episode of i don't fucking know this morning today and it was terrible it was no star wars force awakens <laughs> what that, that even the fucking same thing that's like comparing a fucking restaurant menu to fucking moby dick Cereal, cereal is what I have if I've got enough milk in. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's, I will never listen to that podcast. I don't care how many people say how good it is. And you know, you know this second series of cereal. It's just going to be people fucking minging on about how it's not as good as the first one. It's going to be wank. It, it, I just, yeah, I, I can't, can't be doing with it. Anyway. Fuck it, yes. Um, I've got to go and be a dad, as uh, I think Mark, Mike says on there, Shin Stroker versus Punter, which I quite like. So, um, again, thank you very much to Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, um, I, as much as I say we'd like, like to have you on for something non-Star Wars related, I imagine we'll probably have you on for something Star Wars related in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am always willing and able to talk Star Wars. And, and, and thank you to you two lads. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for keeping going. I know it's not easy doing, doing the podcast, Lark. I, I really do appreciate the effort you, you both put in. So cheers, lads. Oh, well, bless you, man. Thank you very much. And, uh, Mark, uh, we are going to do In the Heart of the Sea next week. And, um, it will be out. I, I, I don't know, it would probably be out between, that episode would probably be out between Christmas and New Year, wouldn't it, I suppose, but, um. It will because, I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm off after, after a, a quick fitting I've got to do tomorrow morning, that's it, I'm off until the fucking New Year. Bastard. So I'll watch as well. Fucking bastard. Um, and yeah, uh, happy Christmas to everybody, um, uh, stay safe, and, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. Right, let's leave it there. Thank you very much, guys. Cool. Appreciate all that.